0: Welcome to the Coaching Focus podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mia Gia. Mia believes in the human mind's ability to reach insight and clarity. Her coaching style explores limited thinking, barriers, or assumptions to enable a path forward. Curious and passionate about people, Mia has a 28-year career in human resources, specializing in transformation and change, talent management, and diversity and inclusion. Mia holds a chartered status of CIPD, an MBA with the Open University and a professional certificate in coaching practice from Henley Business School. Welcome, Mia. It's an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest, and I look forward to discussing today's topic of supporting middle-aged women. Thank you very much for having me. So if we may start off with the first question, which sort of I'm curious about, is what do you class as middle-aged?
1: that's a great question and I'm not sure I want to pin myself down to it <laughs> oh go
0: <moment>. on please
1: <laughs> um how about this I'm 48 years old and I consider myself as middle-aged um but when I think about middle age I think of it more um as a life stage um so when I think about myself as a middle-aged woman or People that I know um, coach and support, Uh, it's women who uh, might be in the top job or aspiring and close to being in the top job in leadership. It's um, women who've got multiple priorities, more so than they, they had before. So if they have children, for example, they may be dealing with the teenage years, the tween and teenage years, shall we say, or if their children are slightly older, they might be leaving home to go to university. Um, They may have ageing parents or loved ones um, that require their support and they may be finding they're in in every different part of their life. They're being looked to for all the answers um, and no one has all the answers, do they? So that creates a lot of stress. Um, And interestingly, I saw on, uh, there's an Instagram I follow called the Latte Lounge, which is great for middle-aged women. And they referred to us as the sandwich generation, which I really like because I think it comes from all angles and that was such a nice analogy. So that's what I consider middle-aged to be.
0: Well, I think that's a great, great answer. Um, And I guess what I'm picking up from you, Mia, is there's a lot of, Bits that are changing for people in that that sandwich period, if I may use your term.
1: Yes, I think I think there is. I think there is, and you know, we're at a stage in life where our own health starts to become a problem as well. So it might not be just um, aging relatives, but it might be ourselves. It might be our friends. Um, we are, if we're looking at the general um, age ranges starting to come across perimenopause or menopause, which can be really very challenging health-wise, both physically. uh, So there are so many physical symptoms, but one that always jumps out at me, because it reminds me of when I had my baby, is sleep deprivation, uh, sleep disruption, and how desperately difficult it is to function with sleep deprivation. But also mental symptoms, so anxiety that perhaps you might not be used to dealing with before and wondering where that's coming from or real um, concerns around confidence that you perhaps maybe you didn't have that before. Um, There can also be um, issues with brain fog. So I know I've been in meetings where I've been sat there racking my brains trying to remember if I said I would do something for it. I'm sure I'm not the only one um, that's been in that position. So, um, yes, you know, it's a it's a, an interesting time.
0: So what I'm hearing then is that there's a lot of things changing around them with children, with parents, with, with work, et cetera. But at yeah. the same time, on a personal change, some middle-aged women may well be going through menopause as well.
1: Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And and just so our listeners are really clear, um, what are and you? I think you've mentioned all of them, but just just clarify, what are some of the symptoms of of menopause? Just some of the common symptoms.
1: There's there's many symptoms, and it's different for everybody. Um, but I, if we look at the look at them in kind of two areas, there are possible physical symptoms can be things like. Night sweats, um, which may happen and cause sleep deprivation, as I mentioned before. Um, hot flushes can be a common, a common symptom as well, mm. which can be very, very difficult for women in um, in well anywhere. But in if we're talking about women in the workplace, uh, they can come from nowhere. And there's nothing you can do about them. so imagine imagine somebody at work who has to wear a very heavy uniform, for example, or being in an organization where there isn't open dialogue about these challenges or where um you know where women don't feel frankly psych- psychologically safe mm-hmm. to raise concerns and talk about these things. and you know, guess what? That, that can mean absenteeism, that can mean resignation, that can mean talent walking out of your door because women are embarrassed and nobody talks about it. Um, I think that's changing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the side of the uh, the the mental symptoms, so brain fog, I mean, just not remembering things or your memory just not being as, as good as it was before and you know part of that's having loads of other things going on too um being a a working parent any working parent understands that but i think at this stage there is a risk that that can get a little worse um, anxiety can develop that's not uncommon uh, depression sometimes that's not uncommon and sometimes you hear stories that women are diagnosed with things like this and medicated for them when perhaps that wasn't quite what was needed, so there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and I think sometimes that can really risk a way a woman feels about her own identity, because all of a sudden she may not recognise herself.
0: Yeah. So fascinating. So you mentioned things are changing, which is great news. What is it? What are further things that organisations or leaders can consider to? facilitate that change and, and make it, as you said, sort of more open and understanding from from everyone within an organisation.
1: Yes, and uh, that's the absolute key, what you just said, actually. It's it's everyone in the organisation. So I think the best thing to do is just be uh, open in dialogue about challenges of menopause. It It's an education piece. Um, so training your people or... or creating a webinar for your people to understand what the challenges are Um, and you know I really feel that menopause is everyone's business because if you're not a middle-aged woman you might soon be a middle-aged woman you might not even identify as a woman but but be suffering menopause which is even harder to talk about to get help from you might be married to or partner of um, a woman, it might be your mum, your sister, it might be the person you manage, might be the person you're managed by, it touches everybody in some way, just have that understanding just to, you know, be open about concerns that any employee has really creating that environment where it's safe to, to speak out and ask for help. Uh, is is exactly where we should be heading and and I I think some organizations are heading that way. I think we are all heading that way. There's definitely work to do, but just raising the profile of something that frankly impacts half the population.
0: Mm. And, and what I'm picking up there is the main theme here is about educating people on what it is and the symptoms of it and yeah. the impacts that it has on individual, within the workplace and their ability to work?
1: Yes. So, it you know, it might be as simple as um, paying for somebody to have a desk fan with no questions asked. It might be, oh, that uniform, um, you've only got one set, I'm going to give you another set. So that makes you feel comfortable that you've got a spare blouse, whatever it might be. It might be somebody has a tricky appointment they have to go to and just allowing them the time for that. Having a menopause policy in place um, that states, you know, your intention to support women in the workplace and perhaps giving them access to specialist medical care. Um, Menopause clinics, for example, uh, are in existence and and that can get women the expert help they need Um, because I, I hear out there, you know, there wasn't always the training for menopause for for the doctors, so they weren't enabled. Um, So some people know more than others, and to go to a specialist feels a bit more comfortable. So it's that kind of thing.
0: So Mia, you've spoken about what organisations are doing, and one thing is obviously putting a a policy in place. The other is some very practical elements that organisations can do um, for for those individuals. Um, I'd like to talk into when you coach middle-aged women, what are some of those conversations that come up and some of the challenges that middle-aged women are are facing, whether that's with menopause or with other areas?
1: Yes. I mean, I think coaching is an amazing, uh, amazing support for middle-aged women. I really do. I have a coach myself, so I absolutely put my money where my mouth is on that. Uh, I think, in general, just having the opportunity to get off the merry-go-round just for a minute and i think sometimes people go so fast they're too scared to stop and coaching just enables you to stop and think when was the last time you did that um and equally as important as having the space to think is being heard in a way that you're not heard anywhere else because a good coach will be present with you every step of the way. They will be listening to hear you rather than thinking about what they're going to say next. There's No judgment. There's no judgment at all. So it's a a safe space outlet to just sort out whatever might be going on. in your mind, um, and that's a more general, a more general look at your question. But if I were to look at examples of what some of those things might be, it could be things like managing priorities. I mean, I'm—I don't know about you, but I'm seeing more manage your energy rather than manage your time, uh, and I really like that because I—I I know if I had a project that was really important to work on, I would do it after. I'd walk the dog and had a coffee. That's when I'm at my best. And that's in the morning. And for other people, that might be a different time. Um, So just helping somebody figure out how can I work at my optimum with all of these things going on with that whole system that I talked about before. Because, you know, whether a woman is in employment um, or not, in leadership or not their life is a system of things and you've got to coach that whole system that person with with all the things that are going on um so it might be that it might be that they want to figure out what's important to them you know they're at that stage as i mentioned before you know the kids are coming into the teenagers or they're leaving home and all of a sudden you're thinking oh, wow! you know, I'm halfway through my life. What next? You spend life focusing on the settling down, the getting somewhere to live, you know, those typical things. And then you think, Crohn's, you know, hopefully we're all living longer now. And and what, you know, what next? What next for the decades to come? And you lose, you've lost yourself. Um, So coaching can be really good at helping somebody get back to that inner compass, and just think about what, what is it that you want from your life and explore those, you know, those areas. And it's a real investment in yourself. And there's a lot being said out there about self-care, not being selfish. But we're not that good at believing that uh, in my generation. And I hope my daughter, I've got a 12 and a half year old daughter, and I hope she will be better at it than than we are. Uh, and I think you know the younger people coming through are are getting this, but just how how you how you resource yourself, sure. I hope you can help around that. You know, yeah. I, I, I've seen several times. I'm sure you've heard it a million times, but it is my favorite analogy. You know, no one leaves their phone low on charge ever, ever. But you'd quite happily go to work feeling absolutely spent. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Hmm. It is ridiculous. It's so it's
0: interesting because I've not heard that quote, but I, I love it. Oh. I think it's yeah, no, it's the first time I've heard it. So it's a very simple analogy that uh, yeah. you're right, everyone well, I charge my phone up every night, so I've got it throughout the day. But you know, and I I'm, I'm hoping by sleeping and eating well and resting well that I charge myself up. But the weekends I probably don't, or in the week I probably don't properly. Mm-hmm. Um so what I hear you saying is with the coaching is providing that psychological safety, that safe space that some people won't get within an organisation always. And just having time to, in my words, but offload to discuss things that you don't feel comfortable in discussing within the workplace, Um, whether that's to do with the children, whether that's to do with work projects, whether that's to do with Mm -hmm. challenges you're personally facing or issues that you're going through. So that's what you see see the coaching um, providing. Great.
1: And, you know, other things around the confidence piece, which we talked about before, you know, um, imposter syndrome is very real and alive and well in all of us, you know, and, and good coaching conversations can really support people, work through whatever those limiting beliefs are around those feelings.
0: Yeah and what is when you're working with someone in that space and in that environment and they're coming to to you to recharge what are some of the common topics that will show themselves with middle-aged women
1: there's a lot around self-care and balance what i want from life other priorities yeah. that, um that's really interesting to me and I think in general, a lot of coaching comes down to confidence in some form, whether it's a confidence to make a decision um, or a more obvious confidence concern. Um, But I think there's a lot around confidence and imposter syndrome um, and just how they present to the outside world.
0: So it's helping them present themselves more confidently, more yeah. authentically, and yeah. and being, I guess, in a place where they can be kind to themselves and keep themselves energised. If I'm yeah, using that's phone right. energy.
1: that's exactly it. I liked what you said there about presenting authentically because it is coming back and figuring out who am I? Am I still on track for who that is? Is there more I can do? Guess what? You know, you get to this age and there's actually more you can give back to that perhaps you couldn't do in your earlier years. And that starts to become a value, a factor, Um, particularly um, in my case. I'll, I'll give myself as an example. You know, my daughter's 12 and a half. I want to pave the way and do what I can to support women so that when she's my age, things are different.
0: Yeah, well, I have two daughters, 21 and 23. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, I want to pave the way to create Mm -hmm. a world where they feel equal um, Mm -hmm. and there's equity. um, And they can bring, like everybody should be able to bring their best selves to the workplace and into society um, and feel comfortable and confident in, in doing that.
1: Yeah, so bringing their whole self to work, as we say, when we think about inclusion, you know, not not hiding anything or leaving anything behind.
0: So with the coaches that are listening, Mia, what are some of the tips or models or frameworks which you find yourself using more often than not?
1: It Well, obviously it depends on on the conversation, but I, I quite like the wheel of life, um, so the, the model where somebody's working out the the key areas in their life for anybody who's not familiar with it. Um, And then it's a self-assessment piece on, you know, if I were to rate myself between one and 10 on how I felt about, I don't know, let's say self-care, that's a great example, on my self-care. And all the other things that I choose, maybe there's six, maybe there's eight things. And then you really look, look at, you plot it, for a visual which could be really powerful to look at um, and that then sparks a conversation around oh you you um you rated your self-care a four what would make that five why isn't that three you know how do we get it to a seven you know and and, and you start to form a really broad conversation from somebody so that can be a nice one to use, but of course, it it depends on whether that's appropriate or not, as coaches listening yeah. would know.
0: Yeah, and, and like you, I love that that tool is very simple. Yeah. Bringing in scaling, you know, not only understanding where they are, but where they'd like it to be, um, and helping them to develop or them to come up with the solutions to to find that way forward. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, and prioritize them.
0: Right, yes. Yeah, great. And you talk a lot about self care, um, and you use the analogy, which I really do love, about the telephone and you know your mobile phone that you charge up. You very rarely constantly charge yourself up. So, mm-hmm. give our listeners some sort of understanding about what self care looks like and activities that they could do to charge themselves up that they could own themselves.
1: Mm, that's a great. That's a great question. I think there may be slight differences per person because it depends on um, what nourishes you as an individual. If you like, yeah. um, the obvious ones for me would be. I always say to people, uh, not necessarily my my coaching clients, but just in general, if I'm chit chatting about these things because I I'm really passionate about it. You know, classics are for me. I drink more water. Wear sunscreen get enough sleep, breathe properly, because not many of us do that. It's interesting. Um, And um, the obvious ones are exercise, of course, and nutrition. Um, But if if exercise is daunting, which to some people it can be, you know, walking is really underrated in my opinion. Just getting out in nature makes a huge difference to the way I feel. Um, it really does so I think that's a very powerful thing that we can all do we can all step outside our front door even if it's only 10 minutes
0: and and those things are very simple to achieve right just drink water it's free to everybody to sleep well you know we choose most of the time when we can go to sleep eat well and do exercise walking or whatever and most of us hopefully can can get out into the fresh air and and take a walk um and there's i think you mentioned it earlier but there's a great article harvard business review which says manage your energy not your time yeah I don't, if you've read that it's um and we'll put it in the the show notes it's a brilliant and it talks into exactly those things because yeah. you know we can't we can manage our time to a little bit but what we can manage and we should own is your word self care which is managing our energy so we're constantly yeah. energized
1: um, absolutely and, and you know that that's really important because it's not all. You know, middle age isn't isn't all bad news. You know, it's a huge opportunity mm. if you think about it. You know, what next for me? What do mm. I want to do? How, how do I want to feel? Where do I want to go? You know, coaching obviously is the perfect partner for all of those questions. But it's you know, it's it's there for the taking if we um, if we can. You know get to our our optimum whatever that is
0: yeah and I guess as a middle-aged woman even a middle-aged man might might come to you as a coaching client and say oh, I'm reached middle age and they don't see it as a huge opportunity mm-hmm. so just just I, I guess to help our listeners understand what that being middle-aged with that huge opportunity provides and some of the things that they could think about in a more positive note rather than oh I'm middle-aged
1: yeah <laughs> That's a very, very good point because we all have a slight negativity bias in our Mm. thinking, so we're really trying to reframe that because you could say it's glass half full, isn't it? You know, I'm at my second half of my life or I've got another half to go, you know, what do I want to do? And I, I was reading, I read a really good book recently written by a life coach and one of the things it said was about, Visualizing your 80th birthday, and so you're sat at a table with all your loved ones, and what are they saying about you? Mm. And start there.
0: Yeah, the other question that pops into me who would be there? Who do I want to be there? You know, so well, who are the friends and uh, are those contacts and those that I haven't identified or haven't met yet, you know, that's that's a great opportunity meet new people, exciting new people. Exciting new relationships that could develop—it's
1: huge. And you know, you you touch on an excellent point. You know, we get to a stage in life where, look, we're all busy. We've just talked about that for the last half an hour. Mm. So, who you—you know—and your time's your most valuable commodity. Who you give back to is important. Uh, So, surrounding yourself with you know the right people—yeah, people that bring you joy and energy—yeah.
0: And certainly, self care is about being around those people you love, but also being around if you're that more extroverted and social, being around people to just yeah. interact, rather yeah. than becoming isolated and and lonely.
1: Um, and that's, I think that's dangerous for health. Mm, I mean, mm. there's plenty of science behind human connection being critical for our well being.
0: Yeah. So, what are the top tips? Would you provide to your clients or those that are listening to? energise themselves, self-care, you know, all those great things that you mentioned, what other things can they take away from this podcast that they can action?
1: Oh, great question. I would, what top tips would I give? I would think about what What would you like to do? I think it's quite simple, really. What would you like to do? What would you like to be remembered for?
0: Your sort of legacy, what's the legacy that you want to to leave behind?
1: Very, very simple, or that could be something very complex. I mean it it's it doesn't matter, but it's about, you know, it's about just enjoying the journey, I think, as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's something, you know, I'm I'm middle aged, slightly older than yourself, Mia. And we won't go into numbers, as you said, but uh, <laughs> it uh, it is. I, I'm thinking, what is that legacy I want to leave behind? What is the value that I want to provide to society? Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great, great area of focus. Um, and I haven't thought of the 80, my 80th birthday, you know, <laughs> what would I want people to be saying about me or who I'd like to be there. But I, it's got me thinking about that as well. Um, right. So,
1: it's a nice one,
0: that. Yeah, it's great. Any other top tips that you could offer?
1: Well, just off the back of that, I would say less looking behind, more looking forward.
0: Yeah, yeah using your so term earlier, it's good. a sandwich, right? So it's about looking forward in the sandwich rather than behind, you know, rather than saying you're stuck in the middle. It's about developing something, a further vision for those next second half that you've got to go out and, and play and enjoy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you're wiser. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's very true, actually, the wisdom you've got. Mm. Um, and I, I I, see it as a leader because there will be some leaders listening onto the here to say, you know, I've got some experience, some maturity in my leadership. What's the next stage for me as a leader? Not just in my life, but as a leader. And um, I, I did a podcast with a, an amazing gentleman called Trevor Waldock, He talks about eldership. And uh, it's about using that wisdom and that knowledge to then pass on to other leaders.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: and you're talking about passing on the knowledge and creating a better world for your, for your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, as leaders, I think we need to create a better world for future leaders, it will mm-hmm. be your daughters and other daughters, my daughters, sons, etc. Yeah. So it is about how thinking about how we can develop, you know, better society, a better world in which we. Our, our future generations will will adopt and, and live in. So I think there's a lot to it for that as well.
1: I, I agree. I think mentorship has a huge role, especially with um with more experienced leaders. And you know, it has a I think there's two ways you could get real advantage out of that, apart from the obvious giving back and imparting of your knowledge and experience if you are nearing retirement it's a lovely way to phase down your hours as well and still add real value so you don't have that cliff edge of one day you're at work and then monday morning it's all over you know that's yeah. it. so i think there are lots of ways that um you know we can learn from each other always
0: so when i'm taking this conversation as an element or a key element from your your approach and your philosophy which is about self-care and looking after oneself and yeah. re-energising so that you can present your best self in the way that you see see that. And part of that is confidence, authenticity, all those mm-hmm. good things. There are middle-aged women that you work with that are going through menopause who that creates an even further challenge for midlife uh, and, and things that they're following. And what you're asking organisations to do is make sure they have a policy and put in mm-hmm. some very practical steps but a key part of that is education and engagement around uh, the menopause uh, yes. and some of the challenges that different people will face. Um, and then what I'm hearing here is about looking forward, not always looking back and and planning, but creating a legacy and uh, a way in which you can bring that wisdom, that knowledge to the fore to create um, a better tomorrow.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Which leads nicely to my final question, if I may, Yeah. At Coaching Focus, we have a very simple purpose, which is coaching for a better tomorrow. Mm. So in your own words, what does coaching for a better tomorrow mean to you?
1: I've already been thinking about this because I knew you would ask me. And I've been thinking coaching for a better tomorrow is about living your life well, so in tune with yourself and your values being well yourself, so self-care and resourcing yourself. And then if you have those things, then doing well for yourself or other people.
0: Brilliant. And it feels to me that all those three are linked. Yes. And wellness is, you know, doing well, being well, are, are all connected in, into for a better tomorrow.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's contagious.
0: Yeah. And um, it, it, it's it, who doesn't want to be well? right you know who doesn't be well and do well so it's a a natural sort of focus and and, uh, approach to be taken and certainly aligns very well to uh, coaching for a better tomorrow so Mia thank you thank you for sharing your wisdom and uh, your experience of working with middle-aged women and uh, it's real pleasure to have you as a guest today thank
1: you very much for having me